Hey everybody, and uh, welcome to Ministry Hangouts with Pastor Greg Surratt. And uh, we're actually having a Q&A, kind of switching the tables around today. Uh, usually Pastor Greg is asking his friends questions. Well, today some of his friends are going to be asking him questions, and so we're excited. Uh, we'll introduce our panel here in just a minute, but uh, let me introduce you to Pastor Greg, uh, Pastor at Seacoast Church. How are you doing, Greg? I'm doing good. It's going to be a fun day. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, let's, uh, let me introduce who we've got on the call here uh, for everybody and just to kind of give you an idea. Uh, first, to my far right there is Ryan May. Um, Ryan, they don't have the budget in Tennessee to have a bottom third, so uh, he's, uh, he's made his own creative bottom third there. Ryan's at the Net Church and has been there uh, for a couple years now, uh, and uh, just a great church, an art-planted church there, former Seacoast staff, so out of the Seacoast house. Beside, how are you doing, Ryan? Doing well. All right. Beside him is Naeem Fazel. Hey, Naeem. Naeem looks really interested in the call today. How are you doing, Naeem? <laughs> <laughs> Naeem planted in 2006, 2007, is that right? 2006? And uh, in Mosaic Church in Charlotte, out of Seacoast Church as well. And uh, Naeem and I were on staff at Seacoast together for a while before he went and planted as well. So Naeem's here. And then over to our far left is Ernest Smith, who is the latest... Uh, Seacoast Church planter in Denver, Colorado, and uh, uh, has a name to his church so far. And uh, that's, that's where he's at in the process and a core group. And uh, so we're excited about hearing from him. And then my name is Sean Wood, and I'm here as Greg's faithful sidekick, Every Ministry Hangout, and also planted Freedom Church in uh, Munts Corner, South Carolina, about two years ago. So uh, we're going to do something a little different today in that we just want to be able to ask Pastor Greg some of the questions um, that we did ask him, maybe we didn't ask him but wish we would have, or um, questions that we've thought of since that we think would be helpful to you guys, as well as we will be taking your questions at on Twitter at um, hashtag Ministry Hangouts, and we would love to be able uh, to ask Pastor Greg questions that you may have um, as well. So we'll be monitoring that on Twitter. Well, let, let's start off with the John, planter. What's John, that? Go before ahead. you start. Before you start off, just let me say uh, it's an honor for me to have all of you guys uh, as a part of this uh, podcast. Uh, I loved working with each one of you, and uh, even just before I fired you, I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> actually, we'd, it wasn't a firing. It was a, a launching uh, for the benefit of the kingdom. Uh, but you, you guys are great. Uh, th this is for of the five guys that we've launched in the last few years, uh, the fifth one being John Holm, who went to uh, help plant a church in Minnesota as a co-pastor, and he's the only one of the five guys that I've been able to talk into coming back and uh, and being a part of our team here, and uh, uh, it's just it's just great. I think about uh, Naeem who planted uh, Mosaic in Charlotte, and he was. A, a campus pastor for us and also the young adults uh, pastor and he successfully emptied out the young adult ministry convinced them all to move to Charlotte at least about 40 of them and that, that was pretty cool and then uh, Ernest Smith uh, has been our young adult pastor and uh, he has gone to Denver and he has also convinced uh, most of the young adult uh, staff team at least and several of the uh, participants in the ministry to go to uh, Colorado with him and uh, we now have Tim Lindsay as our young adult director and 
Uh, he's going to plant a church next year in Zurich, Switzerland, and uh, we'll probably talk most of them into going with him. So that's just kind of our lot in life here. And then, uh, and then uh, Sean was, uh, Sean and Ryan were so much a part of what we did. So it's an honor uh, for me, really, uh, to be with you guys and really to share you with our podcast audience. So, Sean, I'll kick it back to you if you guys want to um, want to tackle a question or two. Absolutely. Well, I figure we'll start, Naeem, with uh, the guy who left the longest ago, has the most experience underneath you, um, probably have had a lot of question and answer sessions with Pastor yeah, Greg. Uh, what's, a, what's a question that you maybe would like to ask Pastor Greg, but think also that others would, uh, would learn from? Mm. Yeah, um, I'm so excited to be here, actually. It's, it's, it is an honor to, to just be among you guys. I guess the question I want to ask Pastor Greg is, why did he let me go? Like, knowing how hard it was going to be. Thanks a lot. I told every one of you I asked the same question. Or I told you, I said, if you can do anything else besides plan a church, do it. Did I not ask you that? You did. You did. Yeah, you did ask me. I, I, I was wanting you to just tell me, do what any, do anything else. But, but yeah, no, it's been, it's been, it's been the best experience. Um, so my question to you, uh, Greg, um, is, you know, you've been in the ministry for what? Uh, how many years? Easily eighty. Well, we, yeah, we've been pastoring seacoast for twenty-five years, and. And uh, we were about uh, eight years before that, so it's a lo long time. Okay, so long time. And you've been you've preached how many sermons, you think? Oh, good ones or just sermons? Oh. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, a, a lot. Hundreds. Hundreds. Hundreds of sermons. So, yeah. you know, one of the things I experience as a church planter is, you know, you, you kind of understand this idea of... Uh, uh, being able to preach, but there's something else to, in one sense, finding your voice in preaching. Um, and I think it's a little bit more of a style, but um, you know, you end up uh, imitating some people. I know I did my best to imitate imitate you, uh, but can you speak to that and how important that is sure. to kind of be comfortable in your own skin? Yeah, and I, you know, that's a. I think that's a process. I really do. Um, I remember. My first church, this is my second one, but my first church, I was all excited uh, to go there uh, until after the third week I realized I only had three sermons. And uh, Sunday uh, happens every, every week, once every seven days. And, and in that particular church, they had Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night services. So I had to do a different sermon for each one. And so that was uh, a difficult part of doing it. I think early on, you have models. You know, I mean, we all do, and uh, I know, you know, some of my models uh, starting Seacoast were um, uh, Rick Warren. It was a little after we started, but uh, was Rick Warren, and Bill Hyvels, and um, I had two or three others. And uh, I, you know, they're, they're early, early in the early days, I just would rip their messages off. You know, I, Rick asked me one time. Uh, he was at, I went to a conference with him, and he wanted to have me speak uh, with him. And he said, do you know my stuff? And I said, Rick, I can preach your stuff better than you can preach your stuff. You know? nice. but, but, the, but, but then it becomes a problem of, uh, of uh, you know, you always wonder, is somebody going to find out where your sources are? You know, creativity is being able to hide your sources really, really well. Um, but, 
uh, I think we all early on, you know, we need a lot of help and we uh, emulate or imitate uh, those around us. It can be very schizophrenic to the church when one week you're a prophetic Mark Driscoll and then the next week you're Joel Osteen and you just want to tell them how wonderful they all are, you know, and, and at some point you've got to find your own voice. Um, um, I, I think over time it happens, especially when you when you realize that God wants to use you, that you are heaven's um, heaven's choice uh, for the group of people that He's planted you in. Uh, I, I still think that you know you use other people as resources. I, now uh, I'm much better in these years at uh, being real honest about where you know the thoughts come from. In fact, this past week um, we were doing the Prodigal Son series. And uh, I had just read, read uh, Prodigal God by Tim Keller, which is a great book. And uh, his concept of the elder son really hit me. And so I stood up on the weekend and I told the people, I said, okay, I'm going to tell you up front that several of the points in this message um, I, I lifted from Tim Keller. Now what you need to know is that the good stuff is mine. Okay, <laughs> and everybody laughs, you know, right. and and, uh, and and I, you know, I mean, if God gives you an incredible thought for your church and the body of Christ, I'm going to use it. You know, I, I don't know why that that's an issue. I think we just need to be honest, you know, about what we're doing, and and uh, also over time, I think you develop your own voice, get more comfortable in your skin. It's a process. And uh, it's uh, it's it's a fun process, really. I I'm enjoying preaching today uh, more than I ever have in my life. At one point, it was a real struggle to study, but I I really enjoy it these days. Awesome. Uh, is is that because you've just been doing it for so long? Or is just there's something happened, like you just stopped. I don't know, focusing on on presentation and just got. Focused on what God had given you, or well, I think I think it's a combination of things. I think it's doing it for a long time. Uh, I think it is um, uh, really getting comfortable with the idea that I'm special in God's sight. He chose me because of the gifts that He put in me for this place, and so getting comfortable with that. Also, um, we've developed a message preparation team uh, around me that gives me a lot of help. Um, a lot of young guys and girls that um, on Monday afternoon at 1.30 we meet and uh, go through what I'm thinking about doing and they'll pitch me some ideas or some illustrations that are more current to today rather than you know maybe what my experience has been. And I don't know, just all of it together. I'm, I'm really enjoying uh, preaching these days. Hmm. And you recommend that right now for us to do it any size? Do what? Have a have a team together? Absolutely. That's the best thing we've done in the last several years. Um, kind of how it works here at Seacoast is on Monday afternoon, regardless of who's preaching, we have a team that helps them. Then they go, you know, uh, into their uh, uh, cave with God for a couple of days come out with what they feel like is the uh, the message for the week, and then they preach it to an empty audience 
uh, on uh, on Thursday afternoon. The only ones that are there are those of us that were helping to craft it a little bit, and uh, then we help them with that, uh, and uh, and then they're ready for the weekend. And Sean, you want to tell us why we started that process? <laughs> well, there was once this guy who preached on the Saturday night. I don't know his name really, but it rhymed with Sean Wood, and uh, he. Uh, he had to get Pastor Greg's help because he came into the bullpen and said, that didn't fly. And uh, Greg said, it didn't. Let's, let's see what we can get that we get some better wings to it. And so we spent Saturday night figuring out how to give wings to a message that wouldn't fly. And I think it flew pretty good on, on Sunday, but we decided we didn't want to do that anymore. And so Thursdays became uh, the day to practice and see if the, uh, if the bird would fly or not. Hey, speaking of... Uh, Maybe uh, people who have tried some things during sermons that didn't work. Ryan, um, how are... <laughs> <laughs> you want to go uh, there? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Ryan, uh, what would be a question that you wished you would have asked, Greg, or maybe you need to ask him now uh, as you are just... Uh, you're how many years into the Net Church now? What is it? You're, oh, you're January will be five. Five, yeah, that's what I thought. So you're coming up on year yes. five. Um what, what what would you ask for the guy maybe that's ahead of you, but maybe it's the guy who's coming up at five, too, as well, uh, to Pastor Greg? Uh, well, I was glad to hear that he's enjoying preaching more, because right now, for me, it feels like giving birth. Uh, <laughs> just just to elude what you were talking about earlier that happened on stage at Seacoast. So, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, another thing, though, that I, you know, that's changed for you. I would imagine your schedule's changed quite a bit. As an early mm -hmm. church planner, what you do with your time versus now, 25 years into it, what, you know, maybe for a guy that's just starting out and then for a guy that's five years in, what, how does the time shift? I mean, how much does going towards message prep and all the other things that we have to do? Yeah, you know, um, Hybels was very helpful uh, to me years ago talking about schedule. And I remember a talk that he gave one time that said, um, you have what you need to do is you need to take all of the things that you do, or that you're expected to do, and list them and make a pri prioritize them one two three four five, uh, and then um, um, go back through the list and put a circle around uh, the things that only you can do, and those that don't have a circle around them, see if you can find someone else to to do them for you. Um, uh, to, to help you with that. And here was a principle that the Lord gave me really a few years ago, and that's this. What is a burden for you is a blessing for somebody else. And so there are things on my list that are just a burden. I look at it and I go, oh my goodness, you know, I, I really don't want to do I know I have to, but I don't want to do that, and I know it needs to be done. There are some things that don't need to be done. We just need to eliminate. There are things that we all have to do that that you know that we really don't want to do, and those things that are a burden for me. There's somebody, either on staff or volunteer, that would it would be a blessing. I'd love to help in that way. And so on that list, those things that I can't do or that I, I need to be done but don't necessarily have to be done by me. I'm looking. Are there people around me? And if I was planting a church, I'd look at my core team and uh, start giving away pieces of ministry uh, that are going to be a blessing to somebody else but are a burden to me. It doesn't mean you just you know give them away and never check on it. You've got to delegate, but that, that's the one piece of it. And then you prioritize them, one, two, three, four, five. Uh, and then you look at your, your rhythm. 
what's what's your schedule what's your rhythm and look at the blocks of time uh, that are productive for you and I, I'll tell you how that works for me uh, my my schedule is um, you know I work Monday through Thursday I take Friday as a Sabbath day I'm off then and I would recommend a church planter do the same thing I know it's tough I know you know there's a lot of demands on your time but God planted his church in seven days he built the world in or in six days and then rest on the seventh and if he did that we can do it too uh, because uh, as I told you guys early on we're in a marathon not a sprint okay and uh, we want to last for the long haul so protect that Friday for, or whatever it happens to be and, and, and I've done that for a lot of years and then um, and then I know that Mondays oh my it feels like you know, it's a hangover, message hangover Monday. Anybody else experience that, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why I don't take Monday off. I, I, wanna, I don't want to feel that bad on my day off, okay? I just don't. And so um, on Monday morning, um, I, I know that's, a, uh, that, that's a, a chunk of time that uh, I can just kind of spend by myself thinking about what I'm going to preach about, okay? So that's, that's kind of one of those. And then there's another chunk of time just before noon about an hour and I've got one of those chunks just about every day and uh, on that uh, chunk on Monday I sit down with my assistant and uh, she goes over my calendar and uh, emails that I need to see and uh, we kinda coordinate the things that we're doing uh, and then um, Monday afternoon is is message planning and then Tuesday um, we have chunks of time the morning is a chunk of time uh, lunchtime is a chunk of time and then the afternoon is several chunks of time and so on Tuesday uh, we we spend that working on the vision staff the vision inside you know what do we need to do and uh, big meeting long meeting in the morning of some kind usually lunch with somebody and then afternoon will be individual meetings with staff members or you know sometimes people in the church and then on uh, on Wednesday uh, is another uh, one of those productive chunks my most productive chunks are in the morning and so I match morning times my most productive chunks of time with my uh, number one um, kind of responsibility and for me the number one responsibility is to communicate on the weekend that's what that's what my gift is that's what I do so if I don't put the best chunk of time toward it it will get not enough um, uh, attention in order to do what I need to do so on uh, Wednesday and Thursday morning those are study mornings uh, and then um, and then Thursday uh, uh, Wednesday lunch Thursday lunch can be uh, strategic meetings with people and then uh, afternoons uh, on uh, Wednesday and thir oh, Thursday afternoon is a message run through but on Wednesday afternoon can be meetings with uh, strategic people in the church and uh, so that's kind of, and I've done that for a lot of years because if you don't set your schedule, somebody else will. And I'm not talking about your assistant. I'm talking about the people around you on your core team. I'm talking about people in the church. Uh, everybody loves you, or God loves you, and everybody else has a wonderful plan for your life. And uh, if you don't schedule it, and then also schedule it in the most productive times, um, you're you're going to find yourself just worn out and frustrated. So long answer, but that, that's kind of how I I manage time and have for a long time. So follow up to that then would be um, 
I imagine some of that's personality driven. What are we yes. good at? What do we like to do? What do we hate to do? Um, but are there staple things that you'd say, you know, as the lead pastor, you must do this. You can't give this away. Yeah. You can't give the vision away. Um, I think initially you can't give the communication away, although we've built a more um, team-based communication here, but I think initially you're going to be highly involved in that. Uh, when I say you can't give the vision away, then you, you're going to have to direct whatever your leadership team looks like yeah, because that's where the vision is going to flow out of. Uh, you don't have to do everything. You know, somebody else might be better at, you know, s small group implementation or, you know, the, um, the financial land operations and whatever it happens to be. You don't have to do all that. Um, but you, you cannot give away uh, the vision piece of that. So for me, it's, it's, it's those two pieces. It's the vision piece and all that's involved with that. And it's the, um, it's the teaching piece. And uh, all that's involved in that, and then d discipleship, uh, discipling uh, uh, not everybody, but just a few leaders. Any, I'll do one more, and I'll pass it on. Any, yeah. Anything you've seen um, pastors try to keep too much in their grasp that's limited church growth? I, you broke up for me there just a second. Give I me said, that question again. Yeah, is there anything that you've seen in your experience pastors hold too tightly to? Uh, that that end up limiting what what God will do through the local church. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when you're when you feel like you've got to control everything, um, then you become the bottleneck uh, to multiplication in the church. And I have been the bottleneck from time to time. Uh, I can I can remember an instance as we grew a little bit. Um, we had a staff member, a, a facilities team staff member, that um, had a bad attitude. The attitude was, I thought, perme permeating the entire department and flowing out of there. And, and he did something on a Sunday morning that was really stupid, and I happened to see it. And so I, uh, on Monday, I came in uh, to um, the, the guy that, that was kind of over the operations of the church, and I said, I'm going to fire that guy. I, I'm just so mad. It is... It is ruining the department. It, it, people in the church saw his attitude. It's terrible. I'm going to go find him. He said, okay, you can do that. But if you do, um, you're going to uh, kind of um, uh, pull the authority of whoever his, his supervisor is, and you're now in charge of the facilities department. Is that what you want to do? <laughs> and I thought about that a minute, and I said, no, but if I don't, his supervisor is just too nice, and he's not gonna. He's not gonna fire him. And sure enough, I was right. He didn't for six months. You know, uh, but ultimately the problem fixed itself, and there there was great morale and, and all that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, um, that that was a, an instance of me trying to control every little piece of the ministry. Yeah. And uh, I I think that if you do that, you'll limit you know the the uh, the scope of growth that you can have. That's good. Pastor Greg, as you were talking, um, I realized that when I when we started Freedom, I had been sowing your rhythm of, of what your schedule was, because I helped you with a lot of stuff, that that had kind of become just what I lived under. 
And I did, as you said it, I realized that, that I implemented that in my own life. I have the same basic schedule. My Mondays look relatively the same. My Tuesdays are meeting day. Wednesday, Thursday, I actually do a message run-through to my whiteboard. I don't have anybody to listen yet, but, um, but I, do a, I do a message run-through. It's even more awkward by yourself, by the way, um, in, in that way. But uh, I think that sometimes I, I, had a lot of, I hear a lot of church planners asking the question of, um, hey, well, I know when you, when you get larger you can have that schedule, but you can't when you're, when you're young. And I guess I was just dumb enough to just do what you did, and I, I have implemented that from the very beginning. And, and I, would, I think it has saved me a little bit of gray hair, um, honestly, I think, that and, and stress, because I didn't let other things drive it. And that was only because that's just what you modeled for me. So I, I didn't even realize it until you just said it. But thank you uh, for modeling that um, to me. Um, well, Ernest, you know, it, with that ahead, as well as anything else in your church, uh, either you, you do it or you allow it. And uh, so you got to take responsibility. Uh, for your schedule and and for you know it, that applies to so many things. Yeah, that's good stuff. Hey, Ernest, um, you are the uh, the the youngest as far as churches that are that have gone away. You're right in the midst of the core team um, and everything. And so so what what would you want to ask Pastor Greg? And maybe for those of you who are joining us right now um, that are either in the core team development process or you're maybe just a few months in, this is going to be great for you to learn. Uh, from someone who is right in the thick of it right now. Uh, my question would be, why? Why didn't you just stop me? Just hold me <laughs> down, prevent me from leaving. <laughs> no, I remember you saying, uh, if you could do anything else, do it. And I thought, you know, I've been at Seacoast for a long time. I've done everything from facilities, which I hope that wasn't me that got fired, uh, all the way up through, you know, student ministry and leadership development and all of that. So I thought, I have the experience. I'm ready. And since I've gotten out here, I've realized that a church planner isn't just focused on ministry, but they're also a loan officer to some of their plant team that may need money. Uh, they're a real estate agent to try to help people find places, you know, strategically to live. They're a hotel manager for people who are coming out here to pray about being here. Uh, you know, I'm a lawyer and writing bylaws and all of that. I'm a headhunter, HR. So there's a lot of areas that uh, I haven't had the experience in. So what could a guy do in my position or who is even praying about uh, being a church planner? What can he do to really prepare himself? Or what resources are out there? What organizations are out there that you would say, hey, be a part of this organization or read this book or just suck it up and be a man? <laughs> that, well, that's basically it. That's what I wanted to tell you. You just need to suck it up. I mean, you're in Colorado, man. You're, you're, you're in the land of the Bronco. Come on. We all, we all would love to be there. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is, and I'd like you guys to, to chip in on this because you're much closer to the fray than I am. But uh, what's interesting is um, uh, Peter Drucker uh, said that uh, he thought the hardest job in America was the job of a uh, megachurch pastor. I think I said this before on one of our hangouts. Uh, that a megachurch pastor or, uh, um, you know, a large corporate executive or even the president of the United States has to make tough decisions, has to watch the budget, has to, you know, manage the HR or at least a portion of it, pick a good team, and then give the speech of their life, um, you know, every year to the constituents. And he said that a megachurch pastor has to do all of those things and give the speech of his life every week. 
he's that's much tougher. And I agree with him, uh, except for the megachurch part, because I've been, you know, really small church pastor in a turnaround church. I have been a church planter and you know pastor of uh, you know uh, multi-site megachurch, and by far the hardest is uh, early on Th those first you know zero to to two hundred people because doing everything you know you're you're you don't have as much help as as we have right now at this at this point in our ministry. Uh, I would say that um, the the key thing in developing a core team um, and uh, you know you can call it a missional community that you start with you can call it a core team call it whatever you want to you're building into some people you're choosing just a few things that you're gonna do and I think you're looking for people that will help you carry the load uh, I remember um, early on a guy um, said to me uh, wanted an appointment for lunch and you know, great guy, but I just didn't didn't really feel like I had time. And so finally, he got in. We had lunch together, and he said, um, "Man, this is great." He said, "Can can we schedule a lunch next next month?" And I said, "No." And he said, "No, why not?" And I said, "Because I don't have time." And he said, "You're that busy," and I said, "Well, I'm not that busy, but I'm too busy to have lunch with you once a month if we're just gonna you know warm your heart or whatever. I have a mission here." And, it, and if you will take a piece of what I do, a piece of what God has given me to do, and in that case I said, you need to go start a small group, multiply it two or three times, take responsibility as a coach, and then I'll meet with you regularly in order to kind of coach you and disciple you and help you. But I don't have time just to you know, meet for meeting's sake. And uh, the point is there are people around you uh, that you're going to have to invest in. Uh, one more thing, and then we'll get more specific on it. Uh, I think that the first hire uh, should be uh, a personal assistant uh, because a personal assistant can do a lot of what you're talking about there. And that might be a volunteer. Or, Sean, I know you have used virtual assistant. Tell us about that just a little bit. Yeah, we, uh, from the beginning, and still do use uh, Katie Strunland at nomoredirtywork.com, and then there's the MAG group. Um, that does virtual assistants as well. We actually use it for our virtual assistant and for our virtual bookkeeping, and uh, it has been it has been unbelievable help. Um, you know, we we basically get Katie for the amount of hours that we can afford in our budget, but also um, I find that she is just highly productive. Um, we have a total virtual uh, conversation, so there's no need for um, you know an office, and I don't buy any of her equipment. I don't have benefits for her, and if I didn't need her for two months, I would just say, hey, um, how about for two months, let's take a little bit of a break, and, and that would be fine as well. So it's been it's been incredible. I would recommend, um, we, we've had her, I've had Katie on my team since day one um, of, of launching Freedom, and I can't imagine um, not having made that hire. I think I made that hire because you, you told me to, Greg, and uh, so I listened, and she's been great. What's that cost, John? Um, I'm not. I think it's around. Uh, we get four hours, and it's around a hundred bucks uh, for the four-hour block uh, per uh, week. So that's like a hundred bucks a week. So fifty-two hundred bucks for an assistant. Who honestly, I can say, and I think this is the same for the Mag Group. I've heard uh, about them as being great for Katie. It is this way. Every hour is like four hours of of what a typical assistant would give, only because they're just not the 
there's not the, the water cooler conversations. There's not the I'm surfing Facebook on that time. There's not the hey, you got a minute conversations going. She's she's logging in 15 minute increments of real time. So it goes a long ways. Do you find there's limitations to that? I mean, her not being present on a Sunday, or you know, are there certain things that? How do you handle that? Yeah, the biggest the biggest limitation I would say is um, her her not knowing our people. And one way that we uh, kind of help with that is she is on the city which is our social networking platform and she kind of watches what's going on and gets to know people a little bit but that doesn't completely solve that um, she's not you know with me on the weekend so I can't hand her a business card or say hey here's somebody who wants to have a meeting so I've got to be a little bit more organized and I, I have a a guy that uh, we affectionately call my armor bear just as, as a joke but he's our arm, my armor bear who's always with me uh, and he takes business cards he writes things down and then gets that to, to somebody else who will help follow up or, or whatever. So, so there is that time and space continuum um, that's there. Um, but because we don't have offices, that actually works out really good in that um, you know, I don't have an assistant that I'm having to have come over to the home office or go out to lunch with or anything like that. They don't have that weird dynamic uh, with that, which is, which is just a great, a great place to be. And I would say to Ernest, is that I, I know we're not. Go ahead, Sean. Sorry, I was just saying, and something else for Ernest's question that I was going to say is um, joining the. I mean, you are the Ark, but to the, those of you out there, is being a part of the Ark as far as the being an attorney and learning how to do all that stuff. There's there's resources there. I mean, I will tell you, and I I don't know that this is the best way or not, but we took the Ark bylaws, we did find and replace for whatever name was in there then we did a good read through it to make sure there wasn't anything we disagreed with or was heretical and that was our bylaws we just weren't going to reinvent the wheel and we've done that with uh, the share.churchofthehighlands.com site um, Chris Hodges and the Grow Network they've got every document that you could ever need for anything when we wanted to have a counseling uh, policy we just went to Church of the Highlands downloaded their counseling policy read it and I trust them and then we did find and replace. I mean I'm just not smart enough to reinvent the wheel and I don't have the time to reinvent the wheel so I just I just take anything anyone will give me on the forum stuff uh, and, and, and put Freedom Church on the top of it with a nice logo and, and then, then we go from there. So I don't, that's where I've saved a ton of time is with those two, those two places. Yeah I think for us we... Uh, we have another question. Oh, go ahead, Ernest. Uh, I was just going to say, um, I think for us, you know, our, our name is uh, Front Range Christian Church, but I think legally we're Seacoast Church on everything right now, But because uh, we've done that. Uh, Pastor Greg, you know, I've heard that um, Stadia, that they have a list of 400 items that you have to do as a church planner before you launch. Mm -hmm. uh, do you know how to get your hands on something like that, that a church planner, you know, going into this process can look at and go, okay, these are all the things that I need to... It's either find people to do, find an organization to do, um, or do myself. Do you know of of any resource out there like that that is uh, that I don't have to spend money on? Well, I do know the president of Stadia, so if they have uh, if they have that list, uh, I'll call in that favor. Um, but uh, yeah, and and we have some things too at the Ark, I think that uh, on how how you do that. But offline. You let me know if there's something specifically that you, you need, and uh, I'll call in a favor. Cool. Hey, um, Naeem. All right, another question? 
Yep, Naeem, uh, what would be another question for you, for Pastor Greg, something that you would uh, would have loved to have asked or maybe want to ask on behalf of the brethren that are out there trying to do it now? Yeah, I would. Uh, my question would be about creating culture, the right culture. You know, Seacoast definitely had a particular culture, which I appreciated a lot. Um, I think it has a culture of grace, and uh, uh, it has a culture of... Uh, uh, trying to find the best in people, um, uh, culture of being uh, has a kind of a relaxed intensity to Seacoast, um, you know, and those are it's tricky, you know, just because it's just it's it's hard to create culture. Uh, one of the things that Greg you've done is uh, you've hired the right people, you know, and fired the right people. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> Um, my question is, how do you, um, what do you look for, uh, what did you look for in the past when you were hiring people, what do you look for right now, what is a non-negotiable for you right now, um, we've all heard the, you know, four C's of hiring, give me, give me what you, you know, what do you, what do you think of, what goes through your head? Okay, yeah, and you know, I would say the C's, you know, competency, character, and uh, what are they? Um, um, chemistry. I can't remember. Chemistry. But anyway, they're all important, and it's yeah. all good. Crew cut. I think we want someone crew who's cut. a committed person. What's that? Crew, uh, crew cut. cut. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Right here. Here it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we want we want somebody that's, that's committed. We love people who are uh, somehow... Attached to our our vision, you know. I mean, if they're in the church, that's awesome. If they're not in the church, they've been listening to podcasts. They want to be a part of Seacoast. You know, that's that's a good start. Um, we um, we you know we want and, and you kind of have to see it or sense it, feel it, see it to kind of see if it fits. But we want people that we think are going to fit into what we do. Now when we do it the best, uh, when you hire right, you will have to fire less often. Okay? Uh, and there are you know different churches that have different philosophies on all of that. And you guys know it takes a long time to get fired at Seacoast. But uh, um, part of, one thing we discovered a few years ago, when we do it right, when we do this, uh, it, it's the best, is we, uh, we went to Chick-fil-A and we took our leadership team and uh, talked to them about hiring and all of that. <clears throat> and at Chick-fil-A, um, they didn't even use the personality profiles, tests, all of those types of things uh, at, at that particular time. I don't know if they do now. Uh, instead, um, they uh, their hiring process was like 12 interviews, you know, all in the same day with, you know, 100 people. You know, I mean, they'd have a group. Uh, selected uh, that might represent, you know, different areas of the company, and they'd sit down and talk to them. They'd have HR people that would talk to them. Just a just a whole bunch of things. And so we came home, and uh, some of you remember when we came home and started the Chick Fil A process for hiring, because what was happening is maybe a campus pastor uh, who's on the edges of where we are, not really involved in the in the center of you know here Mount Pleasant, whatever needed a, an assistant, um, a personal assistant, and they might hire somebody who had no skills, uh, but they liked, and maybe they didn't even fit the culture, 
and then we'd have we'd have a mess. And so what we did is we'd say, okay, uh, you you're going to have the final say on it, but we're going to have several groups of people that are going to interview them, and at the end of the day, it's got to be a hundred percent in order for it to happen, and then then we'll give you two or three candidates and you can pick them. And I was just talking to a guy yesterday who was involved in Pixar. You know that company, the Stephen Jobs yeah. um, uh, movie company. And uh, he said that that's how they hire. They have a one-day, uh, tons of people interview, and at the end of the day it has to be 100% uh, that the people feel like they fit the culture. This is somebody that we're going to enjoy working with. This is somebody that's got the skills uh, that we need, and so uh, you know, if you do that, uh, I think you're going to do well. I think also you need to uh, kind of verbalize what you think the culture is. You know, you talk about grace-filled, uh, relaxed intensity. I like that. We're intense, but we're kind of chill about it. You know, we want to laugh a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, and and you need to do that. And uh, uh, but but anyway, I, th- those are some things. Those are some th- things. Mm-hmm. That's good. Hey, I forgot to uh, allow myself to ask a question there, and I had one that I wanted to ask. The the one thing that I have found um, okay. that I uh, people said it when you're going to plant a church, but when you hear it, it's kind of like Ernest said earlier. You think, oh, okay, yeah, I'll be fine. Area was the pressure that comes with being a lead pastor. Just the a spiritual pressure, um, physical uh, a pressure, the the stress. Everything that comes and it's just a weight that I, that I, I knew people talked about. Until you sit in the seat, you don't you don't feel it. But the the tension I've felt is um, is talking to people about that because I, I don't want to tell my people I've got the hardest job in the world because I don't know that, that I mean I watch what they do and it's like I don't I don't know they have the hardest job in the world. Plus I don't want to be the guy who moans about the fact oh you don't know about the pressure of a senior pastor you just can't imagine it. But I need to I need to deal with some of that stuff. I need to have a, a tribe that you talk about. So what have you done over the years to have people help you carry that load um, that understand it, or even if they don't understand it, at least they can help you work through it? Because it is something different about it that, that I never knew sitting in the other seat that I sat in um, at Seacoast until I sat in this seat in a much smaller environment, but with, with a, a tremendous amount more pressure. Anybody else feel pressure? <laughs> I tell you, it's um, it's part of the uh, occupational hazard of being a senior pastor. Is there are going to be seasons where you're going to feel pressure. Uh, sometimes it's self-induced. You, you um, and the answer to that is to resign as general manager of the universe. Let God be God. Uh, know that he's chosen you, that he brought the people in. You didn't bring them. He did. And uh, you be faithful to him and, uh, you know, let, let some of the pressure go. But there, there are times, I mean, there, there, you've got a pressure to preach. You've got a pressure to lead a team. You've got a pressure to raise a budget. You've got a pressure to be a good father, you know, or husband. There's just a lot of stuff. And there are certain seasons that it's huge. It just is. And um, you know, I was telling our church this weekend when I talked. Yeah, I talked to a guy in the church not too long ago, and I said, "How's your job? How do you like your job?" And he said, "I, I love it so much. I feel like I've never worked a day in my life." And I said, "Really? <laughs> I don't feel like that. I love my job. But there are some days. Oh my goodness, just to get through 
you know, is is uh, uh, that's a good thing. And uh, sometimes you just got to suck it up, grit it out, and move through it. But I think it's important to have people to talk to. Um, for me, I uh, I've got several things. I've got um, a group of art buddies. Um, uh, I, I think everybody needs to sit at a table with a group of people who love you but are not impressed by you. Uh, so that you can just be honest. You don't have to impress them. You don't have to say what you think they think you should say. And I think that's important. And I think you, you, you need to create that and cultivate that. In fact, I think you need several of them. And hopefully, just among us, we can be that. I know some of you have, you know, we've sat down in circles and some of you have talked about these things. And, and uh, we can pray with one another and care for one another and lift one another up. Uh, so I think you need that. Um, I've also got a guy who happens to be on our team now, Chip Judd, who um, gets in my head. And uh, he's a counselor. And I'll talk to him about what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking. He'll show me uh, where it's stinking thinking. Okay, you're, you're, you're trying to earn the Father's love. You're trying to earn the people's approval. And you've already got the Father's love. And everybody's never going to approve of you. So get over it, you know, and let's start thinking right. Uh, and he'll also say, you know, I think you're you're running your schedule too fast, and that's a part of it. And you're getting worn down, and I need to help you to, you know, decide what's yes and what's no. So um, it's communication. It's it's having people to talk to, and that's one of the things I love about the Ark and other organizations that are relational is that get a group of people that you can pick up a phone, or occasionally you make up an excuse that we're going to get together and. And I just kind of go through some of that. That's great. What's another question? Ryan, how about you, man? What have you got left on your uh, questions? Um, let's see. I get. I'm just. I'm at a point where uh, we we've kind of. I don't know. We, I guess we plateau. We're just for the first time we haven't grown uh, substantially. Um, so I'm trying to figure out. What the root cause of that is? I, were there seasons at Seacoast where you guys stalled a little bit, and wh how did you get through those? Yes, many times, many, many, many times. Um, uh, sometimes it's uh, we all hate the stall. Okay, we all want the growth, uh, but sometimes a plateau comes in order to allow us to deepen our roots and spread the leadership. Um, you know, spread the leadership tree a little bit. Um, sometimes a, a plateau comes because of capacity issues. I mean, we're looking at that right now at Seacoast. We have five of our campuses that are, um, you know, over 85% capacity in multiple services. Uh, some of them, the, the original campus is 114% capacity, which means all seats are full and people are standing out in the foyer. And so the answer to that is start new services or enlarge facilities or start new campuses, you know, initiatives, uh, initiatives like that. Uh, sometimes um, breaking through growth barriers happens in big days. Um, you guys heard me talk about that a little bit. Uh, somebody told me years ago, and I don't know, you know, I, I don't know if you can substantiate it, but if you can have a big day, you know, whether that's Easter, Christmas, those are kind of especially here in the South, those are kind of exaggerated. Those are like huge days. Uh, but if you can have a big day, uh, really put a lot of effort, uh, energy into, hey, this is going to be a big day, invite your friends, 
we're all going to get together, we're going to make this thing happen, um, you can see ministry to the number of people on a big day a year later on a regular day, you know, and uh, sometimes that happens. And sometimes it just takes a, a, a bump like that to get momentum. Also in creating momentum is you need to look for small wins because when you're plateaued, uh, you, you kind of get discouraged, you know, uh, the people around you can... Uh, can uh, fuel the discouragement. And what we need to do is we need to do two things. First of all, I've got my life scripture, and you guys all know what that is. Galatians 6 and 9. Don't be weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap a harvest if you don't quit. So my responsibility is, you know, learn how to do good and not quit. And God's responsibility is the harvest and when the harvest comes. And so you speak in faith concerning those things and also you find little wins just little things that we can do that we can declare a win and, and some momentum going uh, but big days are a big part of it too good stuff hey we've got a question from Twitter that um, will kind of lead into what we always do here is our last segment and uh, uh, Pastor Greg we'll actually let you do that first is what what I'm gonna ask you guys here in just a minute is um, what what's something that you're hearing from God right now? Um, something that you're reading, uh, something that's going on that's sustaining you, and that comes from uh, Brett Wendell on Twitter for you, Pastor Greg. What what what's the word from God right now that's kind of just uh, sustaining you, reminding you of uh, of why you do what you do, or just something you're going to be involved in? Maybe that is the time for selfless um, and uh, self promotion of events. So if you've got something you're going to be involved in, you want to let us know about. Um, you can do that. So we'll just go through the whole panel and, and sort of um, ask uh, what's going on there. Sure. I'll go the, first. What's that? Okay. Yep. Go for it. Okay. Um, I was to say what what we're I'm going through right now is um, we are leading a group through the life um, study, um, which is uh, Church of the Highlands uh, uh, started it. Seacoast does life as well, life groups, living in freedom every day, and um, it has just been. Um, a real eye-opener for me. Um, we, we handpicked a group to kind of go through it with us that we're hoping are going to be uh, leaders of it later, but um, it has been something that was uh, needed for me, and I just wanted, I would recommend to every pastor to go through the life study, whether you go through it. I'd actually recommend going through it with a group of people that you really trust and you pick and that you go through it because it is just, um, it is a soul-feeding, um, reminding of of life-giving principles that, that I've really, really enjoyed. So um, it's something you can find out more about at churchofthehighlands.com backslash life, I believe, is where you can find out. That's that's where what, what we're doing right now, what's really um, affecting me. How about you, Pastor Greg? What What is uh, going on for you or something you maybe want to let us know about that you're involved in? Just some uh, books that I'm reading and rereading uh, that are helpful to me. One of them, it's a little book. It's not a Christian book. It's called The War of Art. Um, Furtick sent it to me uh, when I was writing my, my book. And uh, it talks about pressing through resistance. And uh, whether it's pastoring, writing a book, uh, whatever you do, if you try to do something great or good, you're going to come up against resistance. And just a small book, I read it, you know, try to read it every year over and over and over again. Uh, because it's just been very helpful in in uh, in breaking through. Uh, Center Church doing balanced gospel ministry. Tim Keller. I'm slowly working my way, reading and rereading 
just a great book uh, for church planters on doing gospel ministry uh, during these uh, during these times. Uh, Steal like an artist. Ten things nobody told you about being creative is kind of a fun book uh, on stimulating uh, creativity. Uh, and then um, our guest, either at our last podcast or two podcasts ago, uh, Greg Salcioli. I think that's how you pronounce his last name, The Enemies of Excellence, uh, Seven Reasons Why We Sabotage Ourselves in Ministry. Uh, those are some uh, good kind of soul things that are, uh, that are helping me right now. Uh, and a word from God, you know, I, uh, uh, what's sustaining me, uh, I'm, I'm at 25 years of ministry at Seacoast, and um, I've been in pastoral ministry for, what, 30, 33 years? I hate to say that. makes me seem older than I actually am. I started at 12, though. And uh, um, uh, just some prophetic words through people who love me and some people who I don't know, uh, who uh, God has used to say over the last couple of years that your best season is still ahead. And sometimes when you're in church work, and Ryan, that can happen on a plateau. Uh, you're on a plateau and your thinking goes toward, well, the, the best years are behind. This is, maybe this is as far as we're going to go. And my question is, who told you that? Uh, you know, I, was, I, was, I used that in a message the other day. I was, uh, I was in a session with my uh, assistant, and uh, I, I can't remember what it was. She, uh, oh, I know what it was. Uh, a conference I was going to do wanted a title for a talk, and I couldn't think of a talk, a title. I had something I wanted to say, but I couldn't think of a title. It's like three months ahead, and you guys know I work week to week. And uh, she said, well, we got to get a title. And I said, oh, and so I went to my office, and I got a headache. It was like, oh, no, and I came out, and I just said, Kathy, I don't know. I'm terrible at this. And she stopped, and she said, really, who told you that? Who told you that? I went, oh, man, Jesus didn't tell me that. You know, it's the enemy that told me that. And sometimes when you're on a plateau, the enemy will say, you know, the best years are behind you. And the truth is, uh, if you've still got a pulse, mm -hmm. if you're not dead yet, then God has a purpose and a significant purpose for you. Mm -hmm. And for me, uh, I believe that we've had a great run here at Seacoast, but I believe that my best days are ahead, and I really, really do believe that. So that's been a sustaining word from God uh, for me. That's good. You said steal like an artist, and then I'm going to do that because this weekend, who told you that is going to be in my sermon? I just I just decided, uh, and that's true. If you're watching from Freedom Church, you will see that this weekend. Um, Naeem, how about you? What's something God's been speaking to you? That'll preach. Something you're going to be involved in. Oh, um, um, you know, I think uh, there's a lot of things in my head uh, that uh, that you know. Obviously, I'm thinking through um, a lot of projects. You know, um, one of the things I'm really involved in is uh, writing a book, and uh, that's pretty much done. It'll be coming out next uh, next year with Thomas Nelson. But um, you know, I think uh, writing a book about your life kind of allows you to kind of read up about about your life. So it's very interesting. Um, because when you're telling people about it and you're writing it, it's it's kind of a it 
it shows kind of a mirror to your soul. So I think God's allowed that process to get me to a point where now, you know, I'm really um, asking myself hard questions about why I'm doing what I'm doing, um, who am I doing it for. Um, uh, lately, you know, um, you know, this idea of really um, praying for uh, God's power um, to work more in me, in my church, in what I do, uh, rather than really resting on um, my talent and abilities. You know, I think, uh, um, I think I thought that my talents and skills would just take me all the way, you know, and, um, and I'm realizing that, um, you know, I think talents and skills will take me a long way, but, uh, you know, I think only God's power and, you know, God's working in me, you know, character will just keep me there, you know. So I've been praying a lot for God. has been showing me this, uh, this, um, this idea of really praying for his presence, really harping on his power, reminding myself that, you know, you know, my best sermons are just a sermon, you know, and uh, it's just a talk mm -hmm. if God's not in it. So I've been really pursuing, uh, and it's hard, you know, uh, because I don't know how to do, I don't know how to press the button and God's power shows up, you know. So uh, I think uh, I think I'm not making any sense, but it's really great up in here. <laughs> <laughs> I think it made sense to me. We're yeah. toast without the Holy Spirit. We really are. Right. That's right. How about Ryan? Something that you've been reading that uh, you want to share with others? Or something going on for you? Yeah. Uh, just about everything I'm reading right now is tied to an Ephesians study we're going through. So I like to blend my personal time with my my uh, prep time, which I know is is a no-no. I think in the in the in the preacher world sometimes, but uh, I, I find that it helps my sermons to be better when I've actually lived them out before I get on the stage. So it's always worked for me. Uh, the other thing, though, that we're doing as a church that I'm I'm going to be speaking on this weekend is we're we're going to initiate kind of an annual rhythm. We've always done. Uh, for the past three years at least, we've we've rested during the summer, and this this comes out of time that we've spent with 3DM um, ministries. But um, resting during the summer, we pull back our children's ministry, our hospitality, everything on the weekend, give people breaks in in preparation for a, a launch season each year that we do at the movies. We do it in the fall, and we get a good return on that. And we're expanding that. It's worked so well. We're expanding that through the year. So. We're going to rest during the summer, uh, knowing that we have a huge influx of people in the fall. We're going to we're going to use that to de to develop relationships. It's going to be highly relational in the fall. As we move into the winter, we'll do a lot of more outreach, so it'll be out driven. Um, and then our spring semester is going to be geared strictly for up. So we're going to be developing leaders at that time, um, spending a lot of time building uh, new converts and different things. So. Just annualizing our rhythm has, has been a big thing for us right now. That's great. And we'll put uh, information on the Twitter feed about what Ryan's referencing, which is 3EM, uh, Mike Green's organization, who has been a guest here on 
uh, ministry hangouts. In fact, our first ministry hangout, you can go back to the archives and watch any of the previous 15 that we've done, and that would be one that's included. How about you, Ernest? What's God teaching you uh, besides everything right now during this season? Uh, yeah, I would I would just encourage as far as resources and stuff, if uh, for guys who are early on in, this, in the process or just beginning, um, to really look at the ark and uh, what the ark provides as far as uh, relationship and as far as resources is huge. So look for that. But I think what's sustaining me right now uh, is Luke chapter 10, verse 2, where Jesus is sending out uh, these missionaries or these church planters, and he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And I look here in this city, and the harvest is really plentiful. 88 to 95 percent are unchurched, and so the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send the workers. And that's really sustained me because I want to work really hard. I want to do a whole lot to try to build up the church and try to get people in the doors and all of that. But the reality is God controls the harvest. We just can be praying for the laborers. And so that's really been what's sustaining me during this season is just praying for the laborers, praying that God will bring people to work alongside of us to see this harvest field come in. That's great. And I know the Holy Spirit's been speaking through... Uh... Peyton Manning for you as well up there in Denver, and so that's been that's been a blessing. Hey, uh, Pastor Greg, thank you for letting us kind of pick your brain, turning the tables on you a little bit today. It's been great. Uh, thank you, Ryan, Naeem, Ernest. It's been for being uncomfortable part. but fun. That's right. We'll <laughs> see you guys. Hey, next ministry hangout October the ninth. Go ahead, and mark your calendars now. Uh, we have Tony Morgan and Jenny Catron who are going to be here, and they they are both just. Uh, unbelievable minds in the area of church uh, systems and executive systems and just church health. And so we're going to be talking about what does church health look like, how do you measure it, how do you sustain it. And so uh, join us on October 9th. We're excited about that one. You can find all of our archives at ministryhangouts.com. Uh, you can subscribe to the Twitter feed at, at ministryhangouts to get more information. And, uh, and then, of course, you can register at ministryhangouts.com as well to stay on our mailing list where we'll let you know about all the upcoming ministry hangouts that are, that are happening. So thank you guys for all joining us, and uh, we'll see you guys next time on ministryhangouts.com.